How to spot a liar. Quick question. How many times do you think you were lied to yesterday? The stats might shock you. We are diving into lie detecting. How to spot a lie. Here's the facts. You are lied to anywhere between 10 and 200 times per day. Wow, 200. 200 times That's per crazy. day. That's crazy. That is on average. Here's the other side of the coin. We're not such good lie detectors. Our barometer for detecting lies is off. According to some highly accurate studies, we are anywhere between 50% to 75% dead wrong on our detecting scale. I would believe that. So the point of this podcast is to drill down and roll into the five keys on detecting a liar. I'm excited. You prepared this one. I don't know what you're going to hit me with. I prepared this one because for those of you guys that don't know, I'm pretty much a professional lie detector. My job for years was to be lied to. As a police officer, that's your job. So this is going to be of high accuracy. I can promise you that. I'm looking forward to it. I've read everything from CIA operative books to business lie detecting books. And I'm going to give you my straightforward guide here. So the entire point of this podcast is by the time you end it, you are a much sharper human lie detector. I'm excited. Let's get into it. As a police officer, I learned a huge differentiator of how to detect when someone's lying. Most people tend to focus on, and even in the high-end books that I've read, tend to focus on the deception itself, trying to detect the deception. But I'm going to throw a curveball at you. It's much easier to detect stress in someone than it is to detect the deception itself. Because when people are lying to you, they're going to have certain body language and verbal cues, and that's what we're going to kind of rip into. Kate also knows a little bit about lie detecting herself. Because see, being in business, what happens every day when you're in business? You get lied to. Mm -hmm. We're pretty much professionals here on this end too. Because we're talking about things that could potentially make people high amounts of money. On a deal, someone's always trying to get the upper hand. People want to win. In order to win, sometimes, they have to play on the side of the coin of deception. Now, I want to first start off by saying that all lying isn't bad. Sometimes it's better to tell those white lies. Would you agree? I want to see where you're going with this. Give me an example of when it would be good to tell a white lie. Or maybe if you like someone's outfit or not when they ask you. That's fair. That's fair. I've seen that people not lie and it go very poorly. So I'm I'm with you there. There's certain lies that are just meant to keep the peace. It's not always the best choice to be blatantly honest without your filter. We have certain intentions to deceive that is also defensive and offensive for the greater good. So you have to understand that first of all. And I told you that 200 lies on a high end getting told to you every day might sound kind of alarming, but some of them are from our own protection. That's fair. Let's roll into it. We're obviously going to talk about the deception. We're going to talk about when people are willfully trying to deceive us to get the edge on us. Let's roll in here with the first key, detecting body language. This is a must. Now, we've done a full podcast on body language and how it will make you feel, how you can actually conquer your day and everything by using positive body language, how anxious body language makes you appear weak. This is what I want you to focus on when you're trying to detect a lie. Stress. The stress that a person has. The first major element of this is blocking when a person blocks two ways to block physically with their hands or their legs seated position and picture it someone gets ready to tell you that lie or you ask that direct question and they put their legs up they cross their legs before they answer it's a sign of blocking hmm. putting things in between them and you their phone for example when someone pulls their phone out of their pocket when you ask them that question or they're getting ready to tell you that tale and they pull their phone out 
This is because the person has a natural instinct to become stressed when they're about to lie to you or while they're lying to you. So the item that protects them is a defense mechanism. Another big key on this line is foot position. When they turn their feet inward if they're standing or sitting, that is them being skittish. Ooh, I like this. I actually like body language a lot better than facial expressions and eyes. And you hear all the time, people who are lying to you won't look you in the eye. And I find that to be wildly inaccurate, at least with respect to good liars. Now, it might work very well for the good Samaritans out there who feel guilty when they lie. And to them, a little white lie is the worst thing in the world. And you might see them look down or to the left or right or wherever, not make eye contact with you. But if somebody's very good at lying, and there's actually scientific research to back this up, that if somebody's very good at lying, they're going to look you directly in the eyes because they want to be able to gauge whether you believe what they're saying or not. And they actually will go to the point where it's uncomfortable eye contact. So typically comfortable eye contact mm-hmm. in a conversation is about 50% of the time somebody's looking at you, at you straight in the eyes mm-hmm. or at least sort of scanning your face to see, you know, to be engaged in the conversation. People who are uncomfortably staring at you or gazing at you, about 70% or more of the time, they'll be intently looking in your huh. eyes. And people who are very good liars tend to do that because, again, they want to gauge whether you believe what they're saying or not. I've had that happen to me multiple times. People who are very seasoned liars that really want to suss out whether you are following them and tracking them will just look you right in the eye. And that's, you just got to be wary of that because that's something that can happen. Absolutely. And another reason that I think that maybe the eye contact might not be as relevant in our current times. People are always on their phone now. I have found that meeting new people, very rarely does someone have strong eye contact. I think that our society is actually becoming weaker, and I think they don't know how to use good eye contact. So I'm glad you brought this point up. One thing that you have to have, and I should have put this in the beginning, a behavioral baseline established with a person. Some people just won't look at you in the eyes naturally. If you don't know that person well, and they're shifting their eyes all over the place, that could be just that person's personality. And that goes with all of these keys that I want you to understand understand that you have to have a behavioral baseline for the person established at least a little bit people have their quirks and you know not everybody's going to act the same be able to look you in the eyes and things like that do you find that people don't look you in the eyes by the way generally or when they're lying it's more of a general thing even meeting new people have got no reason to lie to me we're just having a conversation looking down at the floor yeah i think we're much more of a distracted society by and large i I think it depends what kind of setting you're in so if you're in a business meeting if they're professional they have learned a little bit or know enough to be mm-hmm. engaging with you because it's a sign of respect. But just out engaging with, with ordinary people, I find that we're just such a distracted society yeah. and our attention span is just weak. Super weak. To cap off body language, watch for that stress. The same reactions that people are going to give when they stress and blocking is going to be your cue there. What do you think about touching your face? I've same had, thing. That's I've a heard form this of a lot. I, one of the statistics I just, I love it and I hate it at the same time is Bill Clinton famously touched his face 88 times during the Monica Lewinsky testimony. Obviously, we to know what happened To be fair to him, he did have that. a zit. I'm kidding. No, that's accurate. That's crazy though. Well, so obviously, and I should have made this more clear, the two forms of blocking, just to recap, are with your hands, with your legs, body language, any forms of stress that they try to defend against physically, and then using objects. If somebody slides behind a door, somebody moves behind a wall, somebody puts something in between them, turns to the side, those are all forms of blocking. Body language, a nice opener, and I've, I've cascaded these into a nice order so that they all makes sense. Number two, this is micro expressions. The emotional response of your brain is the first thing to happen when you're reacting. That means a visceral experience of joy and a quick smile could give away a liar instantly. 
When's the last time a kid, maybe one of your relatives, told you those little fibs and you see those smiles start shooting across their face that they almost can't control? Those are micro expressions. And the best way to tell when it comes to a smile, because it can go either way, is a genuine smile will involve both the eyes and the mouth. So if you're just getting a smile that involves the mouth, that's the best sign that they're not genuine about it and they're being dishonest. Little key you had there. I like that one. Dropping those keys. That's definitely that's definitely a good one. I really like that one. Another key thing to think when I'm talking micro expressions, it's less than a second. You will see them physically catch themselves and wipe the smile away. That like is it. that is a big red flag that you gotta lie on your hands. Right along these same lines with the micro expressions. Watch for the pursed lip. Pursing or tightening of the lip is also a giveaway. That's a good one. Along the same line of thought, changes in demeanor can be very telling. So you were talking earlier about the behavioral baseline and you have to know how somebody is just at their status quo. If you start, this is why whenever I go into a conversation, if I'm about to confront somebody, one of the things that I've I've done repeatedly and it's actually worked very well is go into the conversation and start by engaging in friendly banter. Just talk about something that's non-controversial, going to get them comfortable and sort of gauge where they're at. So are they animated? Are they relaxed? Are they happy? What's their baseline emotional state? If you start getting into more risque or controversial or you're trying to kind of call them out on their lie type territory, their demeanor will likely change. So they'll become withdrawn. They'll become agitated. They'll become something other than the way they came into the conversation. And that's one of the best ways to tell when their emotional state changes. That's a really, a really telling sign that they're not telling you the whole truth. Start to think about the behavioral baseline. Think about your behavioral baseline as well. You can't be coming at them with any erratic responses because obviously it's going to throw off a person. So it's always in our favor, as Kate said, you know, lighten the mood with some banter. Ask some random questions. Always keep the mood light. Number three, verbal. We're talking about shifting response. So you're getting a little bit of blocking. You're seeing that body language. Maybe you caught a micro expression. Now you're getting warmer and you want to confront this person. You want to pull this lie out. Is it good? Let me ask you what you think. Is it good to confront the person? I would say so, but you have to be careful how you do it. Exactly. So there's going to be times when maybe you don't want to drop that bomb, but nine out of 10 times you want to confront them. Catching a liar is always going to give you a power. It's a power move. It's going to give you the upper hand because maybe you both know that you caught them but you don't go in on them. So here's what I want to do. You've got a possible liar. You think you figured something out. Whether this is in your career path, relationship, it's always good to get these things out there and let everybody know where you stand. You don't want to be getting lied to all the time. Again, you know, listen, if it's a white lie or something, let that go. Maybe your shirt doesn't look good, right? I know that I wear some heinous outfits sometimes and, and I feel like Kate doesn't want to call me out on that. That's not true. Whatever though, right? Let those white lies go. But if this is something serious that's going to affect your life, your emotions, your moods, everything like that, of course you want to you want to get this to the front. So, this one, this is the key, verbal shifting response. I want you to be direct about finding out what that person is all about. You're going to be direct and specific when you ask them questions. Perfect example. Let's say Kate gets in my wallet, takes 100 bucks out goes and uh, gets her nails done or something like that. I'm gonna, <laughs> that's I'm gonna, what I would do with $100. <laughs> she wouldn't even do that. I'm going to call her out though. And I'm going to say, did you take the $100 out of my wallet? I'm not going to beat around the bush. And this is very important. You have to be direct. What normally happens in these situations, that $100 goes missing. And then the person is kind of beating around the bush, trying to find out. I'm asking Kate, hey, where were you today? You know, this isn't how you do it. You're going to be very direct and you're going to say, not in an accusatory way, because you could be wrong, right? We're trying to find out if they're lying or not. A quick question. 
Did you take $100 out of my wallet? I said that very seriously. I'm not going to talk again. This is a very key point. This is also deal making 101 right here. When you fire that question across the bow, don't get nervous. Don't jump around. Remember, you're not on the offense or the defense here. You've just fired the question over. Don't go back in and say anything. You're waiting for a response at this point. So I go to Kate. Did you take the $100 out of my wallet? Did you? No. Boom. See how she gave a direct response? When they give a direct answer within three seconds, most of the time it's legit. I'm looking at her right now. I'm looking at her right now. I don't see any defensives. If you guys listen to the body language, she's in the boss stance right now. <laughs> so she's doing well. But you're going to be direct. Now, you're going to want to study that answer. Let me tell you some qualifiers that she's possibly lying. A redirect. What if she had said, I'm a good person. Why would I do that? Boom. That is a redirect. That's a red flag redirect. She's trying to reestablish her character. Here's another redirect. I was at the mall all day. She didn't give me a direct answer. She didn't say, no, I didn't take your money. She told me where she was. She said, now we're Spending getting, your money. <laughs> spending my money, right? So that might have been a total qualifier right there. That's something you can also look for. I'm glad you said it that way because they might tell on themselves. They could say, no, I didn't take the money out of your wallet. I got this hundred somewhere else just told on herself. At this point, when we pose the question, when we're looking for these verbal shifting redirects, we're doing our due diligence at this point to catch the person. Now, let's say she gives me an answer that I'm content with, or let's say that maybe the behavioral baseline of Kate is a little different than most people, and I want to find out. I don't know at this point. I'm going to give you something concrete right here to catch the person. Ooh, tell me. I'm interested. I call this the concrete redirect. Have them reconstruct your story. This one will work for you guys. It worked for me thousands of times as a police officer. You think you have them or you're on the fence. Maybe this person's lying. If you've got like a 30% over under that maybe they're lying, maybe they're not, this is going to be very key. You tell them. You, you involve directly the issue at hand and say, my $100 is not in the wallet anymore. Can you please tell me, can you go through your day? Go through a moment around the wallet. Say, hey, I took a shower earlier and you were walking around the office. Can you tell me exactly what you were doing? You just totally punted in her direction, in the other person's direction. Because now they have to reconstruct a full story. I like it. I like it. But I think it can also backfire on you because I've met a lot of people who are very good liars and their stories come across so smooth because they can just either they've thought about it in advance and really planned out, well, if he asks me if I took the hundred, I know I took it. So what am I going to say? And they've got it mapped out in their head so they can just rattle it off their tongue. But you just pulled them onto your turf and you have the upper hand. Mm -hmm. Let's face it, guys. We're never really going to know. We're never really going to know because like Kate said, look at the behavioral baseline. Some people are so dang good at lying. I have a family member that's a pathological liar. She's fooled everyone in my family many times, even after she's been busted. So we're never really going to know, but you're going to pull them in into your territory with that. And if you catch them early enough, you're most likely going to get them. That's fair. I think you also want to try to throw them off their game a little bit. And if they say something detailed like, well, I went to Dairy Queen. And I got an ice cream. Oh, what kind of ice cream did you get? And wait to see because somebody that's something like that. Somebody should be able to rattle that off very quick, fairly quickly. They just had it today. They know what it was. Yeah. But if you can good. say, oh, it was because something like that, they just had it a couple, what, a couple of hours ago. They should be able to rattle it right off the tip of their tongue. If they have to stop and think, 
It was chocolate. You could clearly tell that I didn't know what the hell kind of ice cream I had and it gave me right away. Absolutely. Now, you're 100% right, but there's a big mistake people do. So you pull them into your territory. You're listening to them recount the story. Most people that are being lied to want to believe that they're not actually being lied to. They don't want to face that truth. They want to believe that person's a good person and they're not lying to them. No one likes to be lied to, right? And what they do is this big, big mistake. They fill in the gaps for the person. Back to the ice cream question. So you got either chocolate or vanilla ice cream. I know you love vanilla ice cream. Did you get vanilla ice cream? And then Kate goes, yes. They intentionally are trying to, at that point, you're losing the battle. You're going into their territory at that point. You've already lost. You've already mentally given up on that one. And they can get you. Because the second they got you on the ropes, they know that you're a sucker and they're going to keep going (laughs) for you. This is another reason why you want to flush this kind of thing out. But think about that. They hand them the story. They fill in the gaps. So do not fill in the gaps. That's good. Anything I like else that to add in this one? Well, I want to circle back a little bit when before when you asked me the initial question and mm-hmm. I said no. I was very conscious of how I said no because there are, I think, four or five different ways that somebody can say no that are an automatic tell. One is if they're looking in a different direction. So it, in that case, that's a clear sign. If you ask somebody a pointed question and they go, no, and they're sort of looking off, mm-hmm. that's a dead giveaway. If they close so their eyes. So even if their eye contact is not so great, if they look away immediately when they tell When they're you, answering that question, okay. yes. Okay. When they, if they're answering a direct I'll question buy that like one. that. I'll buy that one. Very, very seldom is that not a sign of a lie. If they're closing their eyes, that's also not looking at you. If they hesitate. So that's not a question that you should be. If you ask me, hey, I just saw in the paper the other day that there was a bank robbery. Did you do that? And I have to hesitate. That's a bad sign right there, right? Mm-hmm. So hesitating. Absolutely. And another thing about that, there's a three-second hesitation phase. I want everybody to know this. It's three to four seconds. About. Even for a no or a yes? Yep. You, you gave me that answer right out of the gate. And you didn't know what I was going to ask you. That question wasn't rehearsed. My wallet is sitting over here. I am missing $100. Yeah, but I know I'm I didn't really take $100. it. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So hesitating, I guess you're sort of jury's not in or out on that one for Mm you. Um, Stretching out the word. So if I go, no, that's, I mean, Mm -hmm. that made you feel a little skeeved out, right? Mm -hmm. And then if I do it sing-songy, so I'm like, no, that's, that's also a little Mm off-putting. But if I say, Because that's definitely stress. That's stress Mm -hmm. coming out. That's trying to relieve my own anxiety when I'm answering the question. That's good. That's really good. Yeah, I like that one a lot. That's for the direct. All right. So here we are. The person's reconstructed the story. Maybe it's believable. Maybe it's not. I want to give the actual headshot of a lie. So I'm definitely going to be able to get you with a lie here. The story's great and everything. And this one has to come from them. But I call this the offensive switch. Go When someone goes to defend their lie, they go on the offensive at you. Keep something in mind. You're not berating them with, are you lying? Are you lying? Tell me if you're lying. If you keep going at them with that, of course, they're going on the offensive. But if you notice that they make an offensive switch fairly early on and go in on you and you know try to defend their own character by ripping into yours you got yourself a red-handed liar at that point think about the hundred dollars out of my wallet let's suppose it was sitting back on the table and i'd ask kate that question and then she kind of gives me a few tells that we talked about here maybe a little bit of blocking but then she goes in on me saying, you know, you're always accusing me of everything and this and that, and I know that doesn't fit the behavioral baseline. Well, pretty much I got a surefire thing that she's got my money, and I got to get it back. (laughs) So that one, when they go on the offensive, that's like a 
that's a definite. The other big tell is if somebody's too complimentary. So if they try to deflect by being overly ingratiating to you or giving you compliments or agreeing with everything you're saying, that's also a red flag. If you're having a tense conversation and they're just over the top nice. Now, mm-hmm. some people are just, they're naturally mm-hmm. very amicable, good natured people and that's fine. But if you're, if you're having an uncomfortable conversation and somebody's going out of their way to be very nice to you, mm-hmm. that's also similarly to being aggressive. That's sort of on the other end of the spectrum, also a telling sign. This needs to be said, like everything else we talk about on Success Combo, you have to practice this. You have to, you have to think about this, right? If you have that person that you think has been lying to you, you've got to analyze because everybody needs to be taken from a case by case. These are very general things. I do want you to get better at this with everybody you interact with. I want you to start trying to detect those little lies. Look for the blocking. Look for the blocking. Look for those micro expressions. If you guys have kids, kids are very similar to adults, but they give these tells much better because as, as we grow, we learn how to mask our lies better. I like that. Let me hear your big takeaway. My, my big takeaway? You don't want to go first? I don't want to go first because my big takeaway is you guys are going to think I'm an asshole for dropping this one, <laughs> and honestly, but it's true. You're going to love my big takeaway. All right. All yeah. right. This might make me look like an asshole too. So my big takeaway is something that I call practicing the silent catch. And this comes from, there may be a couple of situations that may arise where you catch somebody in a lie and you legitimately want to call them out on it in the moment. There's something to be gained from saying, hey, I know you're not being truthful to me. But I would say more often than not, there's not a whole lot to be gained from in the moment calling somebody out. It makes them aggressive. It puts them on the defense. You've won. If you've detected the lie, you don't need to call somebody out on it most of the time. Hmm. What you do is you store that information away. And that's something that you have that you can use in the future if it comes up. You can, you know, if, if it's a situation where it's a competitor and you want to get them in trouble or you want to, you know, use Ooh. it against them, you don't need to bring it to their attention I'm not messing that you with know. You. you better never go against me in business. <laughs> you know I never would. <laughs> um, it's far more powerful to uh-huh. just tuck that away. You have it. You can act on it so you know that they're not being truthful. You don't have to take whatever action you would have if you thought they were being truthful. Mm-hmm. You're also not creating that friction and you're not giving them the inside baseball of knowing that you know. I just think it's, it's a much more powerful thing to sit on that knowledge and to know that you've won by detecting the lie than it is to cause, cause friction by letting them know you know. Silent catch. I really like that, Kate. Listen, I'm glad that you brought that up because I was juggling two possibilities for my big takeaway. And one of them I call it chamber the round. Yet you're not was that what it was? That is exactly what it was, 100%. You don't fire back at them immediately. And I like to give a little smirk, just to let them know that I know, and they know, and I can drill them with it at any point. See what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm always chambering rounds. Now I will roll into my big takeaway. I call it the setup. And it's exactly what it sounds like. Hey, if you're on the fence and you've got a relationship whether this is a business relationship, this is a personal relationship, the health of your personal relationships matter. Your significant other has got to be truthful with you. The setup, very simply, set them up concrete evidence and then chamber that round. Get them on something. Growing up, I had a good circle of friends, a great circle of friends. One of them was a little kleptomaniac. I thought I knew. So what we did, this is college, through a party, So this was a typical Tuesday, right? (laughs) And I dropped a 20 purposefully in the bathroom. It was right next to the trash can. You couldn't miss this 20, 10, 15 people there. Everybody that we watched go in that bathroom knew about the 20 
except this person. And it just so happened that after that person went in the bathroom, the 20 was gone. They had taken the 20 out. So this is definite. They have that money at this point. Now it's up to me to find out whether or not this person is a liar or not, whether or not this person would intentionally deceive their friend. What are you going to do if you find your friend's money? Give it back, right? This is your friend. The end of the night rolls around. We're all, you know, getting our final drinks in and everything. And it wasn't like a real go hard night. So it's not like the person was inebriated. I pulled my wallet out and said, man, I lost a 20 earlier. This is college times. 20 bucks is a lot of money. (laughs) Buy some protein with that. (laughs) That literally was going into the supplements. (laughs) I opened up my wallet and I said, man, I definitely lost it here. I'm looking around. I'm asking everybody and everybody else is going through the motions. That person came right out and dropped some qualifiers. It's telltales. Man, I wish I had 20 bucks. I don't have anything i can barely even afford to eat this week and kept going total red flag at that point needless to say my friendship with that person broke a little bit that day i'm not saying you should go setting people up just for the sake of setting them up but if there's a person in your life that is intending to do harm for you set them up find out again you might like i said you might think i'm an asshole for giving this sort of advice but Our interpersonal relationships are very important. Do you think setting someone up is important? I think it is if you already have suspicions. If you don't and you're just doing it to because you're paranoid, I think that's one hundred percent. One hundred percent. I'm not saying that and and I don't want anyone paranoid to get the sake that they have to go. No, to I'm say, not saying that's where you're going with that. But I know some people who would take it to that extreme and that's not where you want to be. I've used this a few times in my life. Most of the time it turns out to be good. Most of the time the setup and I never get busted in my setup either. I even set Kate up before. I'm gonna leave you wondering about that one. I'll never tell you what it was. Hey. I I had you set up early on because if this is a business relationship, we're talking about money, a lot of money and time and effort and everything else. I'm not about to not safeguard myself. And I honestly think that people are not safeguarding themselves enough. I think it's totally fine to fire that little Trojan horse out there and just find out if you got a true blue with you with somebody that is in your inner circle. I like that. I think it's got to be carefully executed, but that's a good takeaway. That's my setup. I err on the side of caution. You know, I've seen some crazy stuff being a police officer. We'll have to dive in and I'll just tell a few police officer stories here Ooh, on Success Convo. Yeah, because I've seen some crazy stuff. There it is. I mean, in the black and white, you got to keep practicing. But if you set someone up, you'll know right there what type of character that person has. That's a great takeaway. Integrity is important to me. It always has been. I don't feel any shame in telling you to set someone up because integrity matters. Kate, did you like this presentation? I loved it. Thank you so much. I hope everyone else likes it, guys. Please download, comment, let us know. We get so much love on Success Convo now. Thank you for making it show it is. And we'll see you on next week's episode of Success Convo.